This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Uh, my name is Joe Merrick. I'm the lead pastor here at Journey, and uh, I'm so excited to be here with you this morning, to be sharing with you. Uh, we've had just a great morning of worship already and uh, excited for this day to continue. Uh, wanted to take just a moment, though, as we got started here, and just encourage you, if you haven't already, to grab uh, a connect card in the seat back in front of you. It looks something like this. Uh, The connect card has lots of stuff that you can put on it, Uh, information on the front and also on the back, prayer requests, uh, maybe decisions that you've made, maybe you want to volunteer in some area, something you want us to know about. We want to make sure that you see that and then you can drop those in the offering bags as they go by at the end of our time together. If you miss those, no worry. Uh, We have some uh, baskets at the back of the auditorium and kind of in the main hallway this morning. It's our hope uh, to get one of those from every family here. So please just take a moment uh, today and fill one of those out. Let me pray for us as we get started. God, we have uh, had just an incredible morning already of singing. We've sung and we've asked, Lord, for your guidance We've asked for your guidance as we move forward. We have uh, uh, asked uh, for your, we've sung your praises. And God, we said we just simply need more of you. That is so true. My prayer right now is that as we kind of open our hearts to this time of teaching, this time uh, of opening up your word, God, that you would just move in our hearts Move in our lives. Lord, I believe you have something for every one of us today to take away from this message. In your name we pray, amen. Well, we are in week number three of our series called In Transit. And the series is all about kind of these in-between times in life. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's just simply in life. These points where we are somewhere and we're headed somewhere else, but we're not there yet. So we're in between. Uh, We find those times in life uh, often. And what we find so often and when we're in those in-between times is they're difficult there are times when we're kind of, we have some doubts in our minds. We're, we're filled with questions. We're filled maybe with fears. And what we find, what we've been discovering in the series, and, and really the reason we're doing this series is so that we could open up our Bibles and we could see that there is character after character in the scriptures who felt the same way, who were in these in-between times. The Bible is full of people who experience the same kind of things. Maybe the circumstances were different. In fact, I'm sure that they were, but the feelings of angst, the feelings of questions, of not knowing what to do, of not knowing where to go, of being unsure, those feelings are the same then as they are 
today. And so what we're doing in this series is we're, we're discovering these stories. We're opening up uh, the Bible and we're looking and we're discovering how these people trusted on God in these difficult times, in these in-between times. To make it through these in-between times, we need one thing. We need hope. We need lots and lots of hope. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Hope in the face of difficulty. Hope as simply the air we breathe in difficult times. We need it to move forward. Hope when times seem beyond our ability to handle And so what we want to start with this morning, what we uh, begin with is just that simple question. Well, what is hope? What is hope? For many of us, hope is a feeling, an expectation, a desire that sometime, someday, things will get better in some way. And that might be kind of the classic way we, we think about hope, but hear me, it's not a biblical one. There's so much more to the word hope in the Bible. So much more to this word. Uh, uh, It's used again and again. It's so much more than a wish, than a feeling we have inside of us. Hebrews uh, chapter 6, verse 18. This is from the New Living Translation. It it gives us a glimpse, a, a first glimpse. So it says this, so God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things, it says, are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. Instead of hoping, instead of just hoping for something as a believer, we have hope in someone We have hope in someone who is far greater, far more powerful than whatever challenge we find too great for us. Whatever in between we find ourselves in, we have someone who is far greater, far more powerful. It is a hope. It's a hope like faith. A faith that can't be moved by circumstances, by what we see. In short, God's hope isn't a cross your fingers, wish really, really hard kind of hope. Hope in God is grounded not just in that someday things might change. It it might be possible for things to change. Hope in God is grounded in the fact that all things are possible for him. All things are possible for him. Today, as we open up the scriptures, we're going to discover someone who had lots and lots of of hope. Someone who had lots of hope despite his circumstances that were difficult and hard, despite the situation that was stacked against him, despite there were people who plotted to even kill him. 
Today I want to talk to you about the Old Testament character of Daniel. The book of Daniel tells uh, Daniel's life, and it's really kind of divided up into two parts. Uh, The first six chapters are kind of a history of all the things that happened to Daniel and the people of Israel as they're uh, in uh, uh, Babylon. The second part of the book is about four kind of uh, visions, prophecies that Daniel has. We're going to focus on the first today. In the year 605 B.C., Jerusalem, the people of Israel, God's chosen people in uh, their chosen land, they were captured by the Babylonians, the most powerful nation of the day. And and the people of Israel, they, they would get transferred back to Babylon. They would be carried back as slaves, at least uh, most of them. And kind of the first wave that was taken were uh, uh, boys of the court, people who were thought to be uh, uh, have, to have great potential, and they were brought back to Babylon so that they could be trained as adviver, advisors to the king. One of them was named Daniel. Imagine being taken from your home as a young boy to a foreign land you've never been to before. You don't know the language. You don't know the customs. Uh, Everything is new. This is what happened to Daniel. And yet, Daniel understood that this exile... This time in Babylon wasn't, uh, 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 it wasn't permanent, and they weren't being abandoned by God. Rather, he held on to hope, despite all of his circumstances. Despite all of these things that were stacked against him, Daniel held to hope in God. To understand Daniel's hope, we've got to turn to the prophet Jeremiah, to maybe the uh, most famous verse from Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. These words were part of a letter uh, uh, written to uh, the people in exile in Babylon from the prophet Jeremiah. He he writes them and he tells them this because the people are there and they want to know, well, well, how long is this going to be? I mean, this this doesn't feel right. I thought we were God's people. We were chosen. We were in this land. We were given it. And and now we're in exile. How long is this going to take till things get made better? Prophet Jeremiah comes back with this message really of hope. He says, there is hope. God does have a plan. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. There's a plan for your redemption. But we don't, uh, people like Daniel got that message from Jeremiah. But what we don't talk about as often is the verse before that. Jeremiah 29 verse 10 directly preceding this. This is what it says. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, in other words, when you have stayed there for 70 years, I will come to you and fulfill my glorious promise to you to bring you back to this place. 
So the people of Israel, they, they do have hope. They, they do have a, a future. There are better days coming. But the prophet Jeremiah repeats a message he's already told them a, a couple chapters earlier in, in chapter 25, where he says, but for 70 years, this is going to be your life. So there is hope, but you're going to have to wait out this time. And that's the hope that Daniel holds on to. He's holding on to this hope. And in short, Jeremiah's message to the people of Israel, to Daniel, is this. Don't give up on God in this time because God hasn't given up on you. We see Daniel's hold on hope throughout his life. It's really some miraculous stories, some incredible stories of Daniel choosing a harder path. When things could have been easier if he just kind of went along with uh, what everyone else was doing, but he chooses hope, he chooses to remain faithful to God. So many times, if he would have just given in, life would have been easier. Starts in chapter 1. As a boy, just kind of transported from his homeland to this new place. He's uh, picked to be part of this court, to be trained, uh, to be educated in, in the ways of the Babylonians, and to have the best education so that he could be an advisor to the king. And so they're given the best food. Some of the food is sacrificed to idols, and Daniel says, I can't eat that. It's, a, it's an affront, it's an insult to his captors. And it's this major issue. And Daniel says, just give me the vegetables. And they argue, no, it won't be enough. You won't be able to keep up. You need your strength. And he says, God will give me the strength. Chapter 2. Just after graduating from kind of this school to be uh, an a advisor to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar at the time, he comes to all of his advisors and he says this, I've had a dream, I want you to interpret it for me. But anybody can just give me an interpretation. This is what I want. I want you to tell me what my dream is and then interpret it. And everyone in the room says, nobody can do that. Daniel, in fact, says the same thing. He says, no man can do this, only God. And he goes and he prays and he comes back and he tells the king exactly his dream and what it means. He saw his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refuse to bow down to this golden image that the king ha had made. And they're thrown into a furnace but they don't burn up because they remain faithful to God. And then, in his 80s, in the later years of his life, Daniel's still an advisor to the kings. This is his third king that he's been an advisor to now. His third one, and it's not going to be his last. And he faces maybe his greatest find this story in Daniel chapter 6 verses 3 through 11 if you want to read along with me this morning Daniel chapter 6 verses 3 through 
11. I'm, I'm reading from the message this morning. I like some of the phrases here. But Daniel, brimming with the Spirit, filled with God's Spirit, filled with intelligence, so completely outclassed the other vice regents, the other uh, governors, that the king had decided to put him in charge of the whole kingdom. So he's doing so much better than everybody else. He's going to be in charge uh, of everyone. And so the vice regents and the governors got together to find some old scandal, some skeleton in the closet that they could use against him. Surely he's taken a bribe somewhere. Surely he's skimmed a little off the top. They're going to find something, but they can't find anything. He was exemplary and trustworthy. They could find no evidence of neglect or misconduct. And so finally they gave up and they said, we're never going to find anything against this Daniel unless, unless we cook up something religious. If we make it about God, we know that's a line he's not going to cross. And so the vice regents and the governors, they conspired together and then they went to the king and they said this, King Darius, live forever. They're buttering him up. We've uh, come together, we've convened your vice regents, your governors, and all your leading officials and have agreed that the king should issue the following. For the next 30 days, no one is to pray to any god or mortal except you, O king. Anyone who disobeys will be thrown into the lion's den. King says, well, this is about me. I I like this. Issue the decree. And make it unconditional as if it were written in stone like the laws of the Medes and the Persians. So it can't be changed. There's no going back on this. King Darius signed the decree. And when Daniel learned that the decree had been signed and posted, listen to this. He continued to pray just as he had always done. He didn't let the circumstances around him change how he would respond. He remained faithful. He held on to the same hope he had had for the last 80 years. He didn't change anything. And his house had windows in the upstairs, and they opened towards Jerusalem, and he went to the window, and there he prayed, just like he did all those other times. Three times a day, he knelt there in prayer, thanking and praising his God. And the conspirators, they knew what was going to happen. They came, they found him praying, asking God for help. And so there's nothing that can be done. Daniel is thrown into the lion's den. And and Darius, the king, he's not happy about this, right? This was his best advisor. He was just about to place him in charge of all of the kingdom because he was doing such a better job than all the other advisors combined. Says King Darius was up with worry in the night, and he woke up in the morning and he went to the lion's pit and he said, This, Daniel, was your God able to save you? I like to think there was a dramatic pause. And there was a, Yes, my king, yes, my king, God shut the mouth of the lions. 
And so right there at the lion's den, Daniel, or I'm sorry, sorry, Darius made another decree. He said this to all the people and the nations and the languages. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree in every dominion of my kingdom. Men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. So many things we can learn from Daniel. So many lessons for us. I I have three, if you're taking notes this morning, three things we can learn from Daniel. The first is this. We are not our own best hope. We are not our own best hope. God is our best hope. We so often talk about the book of Daniel, especially with kids, with students, and we hold it up as this example of kind of standing up to peer pressure, standing up when things are hard and tough, making the tough choices, doing what is right. And those are good lessons, lessons we need to learn. But I'm not always sure it's how Daniel saw it. Daniel... Daniel's hope was never in his abilities. It was always in what God could do. It was always in what God could do. And we see that again as we just kind of quickly go back through some of these stories that we talked about. It was God who gave him the strength when he refused to eat the meat, uh, sacrifice to idols. He, He said, God will give me the strength. Just give me the vegetables. It was God who was able to tell the king not only what his uh, dream was, not only what his dream meant, but what his dream was. This impossible task that King Darius came and uh, said, I need someone to do this for me. Then even later, in his later years, when he's thrown into the pit of lions, did you notice what King Darius said? Was your God able to save you? I mean, this, this lesson that, that Daniel uh, put his faith not in his abilities, he put his hope not in his strength, his wisdom, his abilities, that he put it in God, had rubbed all the way off onto the king, so much so that the next morning when he comes to the pit, he says, was your God able to save you? Our situations might not be as extreme, but our hope, our hope is the same. Our hope is the same. No matter what we face, only God can give us the faithfulness, the direction, the perseverance we need. Second thing. that we learn is we can survive. We can survive. Daniel's people, they were defeated. And to the Babylonians, to everybody around, that meant their God was gone. He no longer was there. He was taken from his homeland. He has nothing familiar around him. He's tempted and he's tested again and again and again. 
and he keeps his hope in God. He keeps believing. And all of that is in the Bible. All of that is in the Bible so that you and I can can read it on a day like today and we can be inspired. That no matter what we face, we can survive. So that we can understand no matter what our situation is, no matter how lonely it seems, no matter how, how overwhelming it might be for us, we can survive too. Third thing that we learn from the story of Daniel. Third thing we learn is that we will face opposition. We will face opposition. The people of Israel, they had yet again been unfaithful to God. That's why they have been um, uh, captured by the Babylonians. They had turned their backs on God. They had forgotten about all he had done. And the prophet Jeremiah, he steps onto the scene with this difficult message to share. He says, this is going to be your life for 70 years. For 70 years, you're going you're to stay here and you're going to be captured and you're going to be slaves. But one day... One day, God will come and rescue you. In essence, he's saying, you will face opposition. It's not going to be easy. But God has not abandoned you. It's a very similar message to the message the Apostle Peter gives in, the first, in 1 Peter, his first letter, which he addresses to the exiles. The exiles scattered, he says. A group of people who knew persecution, who longed for better days. He says this in 1 Peter uh, verse 3 and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, never fade. Kept in heaven for you. Peter doesn't assure them that the persecution is going to be over soon. He doesn't uh, claim that God will reward their faithfulness and suffering with health and wealth and influence. He doesn't paint them a picture uh, of one day when Christianity will be the uh, religion of the empire. Why not? Because he knows better. Because he, he knows better. He, he knew what happened to John the Baptist. He saw Jesus and Stephen in the hands of an angry mob. He'd lived in exile himself. According to John's gospel, Jesus even warned Peter about the kind of death he would experience. 
So Peter doesn't give his, his audience a cheer up, it's going to get better soon. Instead, Peter holds out to them not just something to hope for. There are better days coming. He holds out for them someone to hope in. He points them to Jesus. He points them to Jesus. And what we need to learn from Daniel's life is this. Our health may fail. Our relationships, our careers, they may run off the rails. Armies, economies, nations may collapse. But our hope, our hope lives because our Redeemer lives. Our hope lives because our Redeemer lives, not because our circumstances are great, because the economy is doing well, because life is relatively easy in the moment. Our hope lives because our Redeemer does. This doesn't mean that we can't hope for certain things. But what it does mean is what we hope for should always be a distant second to who we hope in. Author Scott McCullen says this. I love his words. His words about hope here. Hope says God has not abandoned us in the world. God's story is that he pursues us, that he dwells in us, that he intervenes for us, and that he will not forget us when he finally determines to set things right. There may be tears in our eyes, but God will wipe them away. There will be death and decay, but he will cause newness and resurrection to spring forth. Beautiful words. Beautiful words that remind us, that remind us we will face opposition, but we won't face it alone. Will you pray with me today? Lord, we read this story of Daniel of this amazing character who held on to hope in you so well, who had so many things stacked up against him, God. And my prayer is that that story is convicting for us. Because so many of us are in situations where maybe we don't know what the next step is. Maybe we feel a bit in over our heads, we're overwhelmed, we're not sure what to do. Things feel stacked against us. We need to hold on to that same hope. The prayer is that we can be convicted, challenged by the story of Daniel and how Daniel remained hopeful. He remained faithful despite whatever circumstance came his way. God, I read this story this week and I was just reminded 
that you are infinite and I am finite. I was reminded, God, that you are strong and I am weak. That you are wise and I'm easily distracted. For all those reasons and a million more, God, I put my hope in you. My prayer is that for me, for people in this room today, that those are more than words. It's the way we see life. It's the way we see challenge. It's, it's an anchor we hold on to as we navigate the difficulties of transitions of life. That you are our hope that you are stronger and wiser and more powerful than whatever situation is before us. God, that is a phenomenal gift you give to us. Help us to hold on to it today. Help us to understand how deeply we need to hope in you. In your name we pray. Amen.